0: you busy Mm -mm. okay let me run something past you real quick there used to be a time that I was irritated when things would happen in life oh I was frustrated if a plan didn't go the way that I thought that it should go I was irritated if people were doing things out of character and I didn't expect that from them there was once a time where there was a emotional negative response when things were going awry, awry, what have you. And I realized it was because, and I mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, that I was deceived to believe that if you were doing God's will, if you were favored by God, if you were anointed and had a purpose and a plan and E or the above, when it came to the kingdom of God, that it should literally be a worry-free life. That resources should be there. People should be supporting you. There should just be an influx in Red Seas parting on your behalf, that God stops Pharaoh from chasing you. And you just are able to live this Pleasantville kind of life. And then I realized that that was indeed deception, because the greatest example of what you will possibly ever experience in life is just watching Jesus's life and, or just going back in the Bible and watching how other people lived out. And I had a eureka moment. There's never been a time that anyone great or anyone who left a great impact did not have great adversity or opposition entered the chat. There's never been a time. And I was like, yo, honestly, I had to go back through my biblical Rolodex. I'm like yo, the the woman with the oil that went to the prophet Elijah and was like yo, all I have is a little bit of oil, but I need you to do something because these folks is talking about the debt that hasn't been paid. They wanted to take her children, and she's like yo, what do I do? And he's like, oh, let me give you a plan real quick (laughs) because yeah, this calls for an immediate. So I'm gonna need you to go ahead and ask your neighbors and all of that for jars. And when you get in the house after you and your sons collect all the jars, I want you to close the door. I want you to just take that little bit of oil and just keep pouring into the jars until it stopped and so then she came back for the part two and was like all right I did that now what he was like cool now pay off your debt and live off the rest And I was like, man, who knew that abundance (laughs) was on the other side of that immediate, of that agony, of that, oh, no, what am I going to do? Who knew, who knew that on the other side of that was something else, but she had to be driven to the prophet because she had a problem. And then with the problem, he gave her a plan. And then for the plan that she carried out in obedience, then she was able to fulfill God's purpose for her life and her son's lives. And I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. Who knew that on the other side of crying to God for however many years that if the Israelites did what they were supposed to do, they would have sold the land of milk and honey. Who knew that that was on the other side of their pain? Who knew that if literally anything that you want, anything that God has for you, anything that is your heart's desires, anything that is literally aligned to your calling and purpose on your life, who knew that there's another side to that coin? Who knew that on one side you're crying because, you know, Tabitha and everybody's thinking that this 12 year old little girl in the Bible was dead and everybody's crying and Jesus is like, nah, she's just asleep. And so he goes in the room and he closes the door and he's like, Tabitha, get up. And so he does that whole thing. And it's like, oh, who knew that on the other side of crying on the other side of mourning, God was Jesus going to extend a second chance. Who knew? Who knew that on the other side of what you're currently feeling, who knew on the other side of what you're currently experiencing, who knew on the other side of all this adversary and opposition and E or the above, who knew that God's glory is on the other side. Why? Because Romans eight twenty eight says all things work together for the good for them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Who knew that it actually, uh, really does all work together. But I think that as humans, we stop at the pain. We stop at the loss. We stop at the disappointment. We stop at the anger. We stop at the betrayal. We stop at the thing that actually gets our emotional attention. But what we don't understand is, but you got to keep going. There's something on the other side of that. There's something on the other side of that. You think the enemy is just attacking that relationship just for no reason. You think the enemy is literally allowing this particular turmoil at your job just to exist, just to exist. You think that the enemy is just like, ah, you know, out of all the people, I think I want to start trouble mm, here. You think this is just happenstance. Everything is coordinated in the spiritual realm to literally gravitate you toward what is for you and everything for the kingdom of darkness is. Design to get you not to get to that point because the devil cannot take from you what God already ordained you to have. He cannot take it from you, but he can distract you. He can go ahead and say, did God really say you can't eat from that tree? Did he really say that you were going to die? He can try to get into your head and make you confused and question God. Well, if you're really the son of man, then go ahead and you know turn this particular rock to some bread and do A, B, and C. He, he does the same kind of things, but just in different ways. And the common denominator to that particular tool that he uses is how can I persuade you out of God's purpose and plan for your life? How can I make this particular woman be look more attractive than your current wife? How can I make it that? You know what? The amount of money that you're making is so insignificant that I want you to start getting into the scam reveal. How can I make it where, you know what, whatever you have looks like lack and it looks like it's not enough. So even though God created the entire garden of Eden for you, you still feel like, yeah, but you know what? I want to eat from that tree, even though you said not to. There is something very persuasive. That's why the Bible even described the serpent as crafty. He is not crafty because he's all wise. He is not crafty because he's all knowing because that will make him God. And he's not. He is crafty because he curates something just for you in order to spark your curiosity enough to persuade you out of God's perfect will for your life. That's crafty craftiness takes time to say, Hmm, how can I defeat him or her in this particular area in a way that I don't have to do a whole bunch. I can just hit them with a one liner and have them kind of thinking alternate kind of operating alternate kind of putting some behaviors in the chat that's alternate to what God has for them. So what if I go ahead and move Moses and have Moses go ahead? Okay, you can spend time with God. But I need to enter the mind of an Israelite that's not on the mountain with Moses. And I need to have them thinking that, oh, no, they are without a God. They need something to serve. And maybe enough of them, enough pressure will have one of them go to Aaron and say, we need someone or something to serve. And the pressure that Aaron will feel will literally get him to operate outside of God's perfect will. So Aaron will go ahead and put together a golden calf. Why? Because the pressure from the people will have him do something outside of God's purpose and perfect will for his life. The pressure from the people, the pressure of the people realizing Moses is not here. And it's weird because y'all went years without having someone continuously lead you somewhere, continuously hover over you in a positive way that the one time that you had the freedom and the air enough just to exist without pressure, it felt weird to you. You were like, wait a minute, because when we were a pharaoh, he was making life really, really hard. He was making it that, yo, we had to go ahead and work under these extraneous work conditions. And then he went ahead and said, yo, now I want you to go ahead and work without um, straw. So now you're gonna build brick with no straw. I'm gonna make it even worse. And even though it was worse conditions, they still had someone hovering over them. Even though it was conditions that was unworkable, they still had someone directing them and telling them what they were going to do. And so then then you have it where God says, okay, let me go ahead and give y'all the next steps on what's gonna happen. I want you to go ahead and put the blood on on the lamp post or the door post so that the angel of death can go over you, and this will be the Passover. So you still have someone telling you what to do and now you're being led by God um, by the cloud by day and the fire by night so you still have something leading you and the one time that God decides, let me show you a life of freedom. Let me show you a life where someone's not hovering over you. Let me show you a life where you literally don't have to feel like, man, something else that I have to do. Man, all this pressure is on me. Man, all these particular deadlines and whatever it is is on me. The one time that God gives you space, you don't know how to fill it with just relaxation. With just thanksgiving we just feeling like you know what god out of all the years of my life i have never felt this relaxed this is the one time that i can account in my life that i don't have something or someone hovering over me god i thank you for not letting me go my whole life feeling like there was a ceiling that was so short that i can literally my eyelashes can touch it like i'm glad god that you saw fit enough for me to at least see what a life of breathable space looks like But they couldn't hone in and lean in and just relax and and settle in that. They were like, this feels weird. We need something to do. Even if it's something that's outside of God, we need something to serve. Even if it's something outside of God, we need something to show us, oh, visibly, tangibly, you're the reason why we are here. And it's like, really? Did you need that? Or was that the posture that you have for so long that now that God has done a spiritual chiropractic situation where he's showing you a different posture to sit in, a different posture to rest in, a certain posture to live in, a certain posture to relate to people in, it's so weird to you that you're like, no, 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 no. I want to go back to being uh, brittle. I want to go back to being in in a way that makes me feel stifled. I want to go back to feeling stagnant. I want to go back to feeling like... Like life is hard. I want to go back to feeling like I need to do something that has it where even though it's not productive for God's will for my life, at least it gives me something that to do. I'd rather busy work than to be doing God's work. I'd rather to be busy doing something that I can see than relaxing and depending on God in the spiritual realm to be spiritually led. So give me what I'm asking for. Don't give me what God has for me. That went a totally different way. Let Holy Spirit do what he's called to do. I literally felt this inkling of why don't we start this notion where we get bold enough in his spirit where we like, I'm going to trouble trouble. I am not troubles puppet. You do not get to enter the chat of my life and then leave the same. No, 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 no. If you had the audacity to enter my life. If you had the audacity to come across the lawn of my spiritual real estate, then guess what trouble you've met your match. And as a matter of fact, I'm not even your match I'm going to dominate you as a matter of fact you don't even understand that um trouble dissipates when it enters this particular zip code spiritually what you don't even understand is that I'm trouble's worst nightmare why because I truly understand that I am God's anointed I truly understand that God gave me dominion over everything I truly understand that God went through the entire trouble all five days to create some things five and a half when he made me on the sixth day like you don't understand I realize that he made all of this for me and anything that tries to enter this proverbial life of mine who whatever tries to enter it and it's not literally adding to the life that God wants me to have you don't understand I understand the power in my rebuke in the name of Jesus I understand that just as Jesus looked at the winds and the storm and was like I rebuke you because he realized that the winds and the storms that is not something that God created to go ahead and kill humans he didn't look at that and was like and I'm going to create this all of this from humans I'm going to make humans in my own image and then I'm going to create some things that are going to kill humans it's like no that's not what the winds and the waves were for You mean to tell me the same winds and the waves that we feel when we go to vacation the same winds and waves that we can appreciate and call the tropical paradise is the same winds and waves that if it's just a little bit off of its speed or whatever it may be that it can actually be the thing that can kill a human that's not what God made that for so when Jesus saw it he was like I rebuke that aka I'm going to put you back into the stance that you were manufacturally created for No, 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 we don't, this is not what this was created for. So guess what trouble? I literally understand now that if I rebuke a thing, it has to go back to his manufacturer's default. If I say no, um, in the name of Jesus, because it says that if I ask for anything in Jesus's name, that it will be done. If I literally tell God, like, listen, let your, let your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. Like let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I literally say that, then like some things happen. Like, I'm sorry, trouble, but I actually realized that if I persevere, if I press through this, if I get to the other side of this, that I have to get the other side of what this was trying to prevent me to get. And that's the blessings and the promises and the abundance and everything else that Jesus died and rose for me to get. Like I am heir to royalty. I'm sorry. I get it. And when you start getting in that posture, you got to go ahead and get another kind of spirit, another kind of attitude behind you that says like, yo, what's on the other side of this? It wasn't happenstance that all of a sudden now that the Pharaoh that was ringing at that particular time when Moses was being born, that was like, I have a great idea. Let it be that all males that are born is thrown in the Nile River. That wasn't happenstance like, yo, what's on the other side of this? What's on the other side of this baby's life? What's on the other side of this promise for this particular child that the enemy will go through such great trouble to actually try to trouble me? What's on the other side of this, that out of all the time that I was single, (laughs) that out of all the time that I, now you want to go ahead and try to trouble the marriage. Like what's on the other side of this marriage? What's the beauty and the promise and the purpose for this marriage? What would this marriage do for the kingdom that the enemy is really trying to enter, let some stuff into the chat that will have me discouraged. But what you don't understand is that I trouble trouble, sir. What's on the other side of this child's life that you would have me thinking that I did something wrong, that I'm not raising him correctly, that she's going on the wrong path, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Like what's on the other side of this? What's on the other side of entrepreneurship that I'm having such issues in the beginning, rebuke that in the name of Jesus. What's on the other side of me persevering? What's on the other side? And that's the stance that I want us to get. Instead of looking at, man, every time I look around, something's happening, man, I thought that that was going to pan out differently. Man, this just seems like the worst convenience or the time that it would be happening. I just feel like out of all the times in the world, how come I feel like all the rain is coming on this side of the lot? How come I feel like all the storms is coming on this side of my ha- home? Like I'm looking at the entire subdivision and It it not look like nobody else is experiencing storm. It looks like nobody else has experienced this agony at this job. It looks like no one else has experienced this hardship. How come it just seems like the lot that I chose the lot that I was born into just seems like this is the soil that gets the most rain. And it's like, nah, look at that different. What's on the other side of this? Maybe your particular calling requires that much rain. I know everybody else is blossoming. I know everybody else. It looks like they're experiencing spring. I know everybody else looks like they already got their fruit 10 times over. And you're like, yo, but I'm still experiencing rain and it's okay. Because if God promised that all things work together, then it's okay. You may have a particular lot that requires that much rain. Oh, but baby, when you start to blossom... Oh, but when you start to understand that it's happening for you and not to you. Oh, when you start to understand that, listen, this is for my good. Oh, but when you understand that bad can't enter the chat and just stay that way. Oh, when you understand that God literally promised some things and he will finish his work. Oh, when you start to understand that you actually are okay with small beginnings. Oh, if you just stop comparing yourself to the people across the street because their square footage is not the same. What God's trying to build in you, it don't go up in 30 days. What God's trying to build in you, you won't see a millionaire within that certain amount of time frame. Like, oh, but when you understand that God, however long you need to take, however long you need to do it, because everybody that I've ever read in the Bible, God didn't have the land of milk and honey, but for nobody else. So you know what? Those 400 years, it probably, you can't say that it was worth it when it was happening, but you can say like, yo, God had his hand. There's just some things that you have to just look at other people and say, you know what? God bless you, but God is still blessing me. Like I know that it don't look the same, but that's because our purposes aren't the same. I know that I, I wish that I could have had that in that time frame, but maybe God's just going ahead and appointing me for a certain time as such as this. So I'm gonna have to start believing. And you know what? There's something happening for me. There's something that he wants to go ahead and project through me. There's some things that he's trying to strengthen in me so that when I get to where he wants me to be, so that when he goes ahead and blesses it. The Bible says that when he gives a blessing, he wants to give it without sorrow. Oh, the sorrow that it is when you get blessed before your time. Oh, the sorrow that it is when you get blessed before you're actually prepared. Oh, the sorrow that it is when you actually get there and realize you can't handle it. Now you got all this money, and, but you're miserable. And now you got to work on your mental health when you get there. So you're a millionaire working on your mental health because you couldn't do it when God was trying to give you that time to do it when you didn't have the money. So you saw the money, the money as, oh, I'll feel better when I get there. Then you get the money. You're like, how come I still feel this way once I'm here? There is something that he is trying to do for you. And there is a purpose into the time frames that's currently happening to you. Okay. You don't have a whole bunch of clientele right now. Cool. Then getting your creative bag, start going ahead and producing the things that are produced. I need you to have the mindset of when God sends the 5,000 to you, 5,000 men, not including women and children, do you have enough to feed them? Or do you only have two fish and five loaves? And you looking at Jesus like, Oh, we're going to have to send them other places because I don't have enough food for all of them. I need you to start looking at the promises of God and a promise over your life as God is getting ready to send a multitude. Do I have enough to feed them? God is getting ready to send a multitude. Do I have enough in me enough in me to feed them? Because why did God, I literally said this the other day. I'm like, yo, Jesus could have went ahead and started his ministry at 12. Yeah. Yeah. But would he have been respected? Because there was a king called Asa. He was eight. It was recorded in the Bible. I was like, oh, but for certainly, Jesus could have been, <laughs> been the king. And he could have reigned over some stuff at five. Like, as soon as he learned how to talk, we could have been like, that. that's the Messiah. We might as well just go ahead and save some time. But what you don't understand is that everything has this perfect timing for everything. There's a time. Read Ecclesiastes. There's a season for everything. And what we need to start getting to is... God, build in me whatever it is that you want to build in me so that when you trust me enough and when you bring the people to me, that I will have enough in me to feed them. Oh, it would have read way different if the disciples was like, we can stop here. Anybody who's hungry, raise your hand because we packed enough for everybody. Oh, my goodness. Stop looking at your singlehood like, I just want to be a wife so bad. No, no, no. Start working on the things that most people suffer in when they get in a marriage. Most people get into marriage and they still selfish and they talk about marriage is hard. No, you never put the gauge from single to marriage because you know what? In your singlehood, you wasn't responsible for anybody. In your singlehood, you didn't have boundaries with people. In your singlehood, you didn't have to go ahead and say, yo, don't call me past this time. In your singlehood, you just had the neon light on of available, accessible 24 seven. And now that you're in marriage, you got to kind of hurt some people's feelings because you didn't have those boundaries up in singlehood go ahead and look up the reasons why certain marriages don't work and go ahead and start putting in some work in those areas okay marriages sometimes have issues with finances how are you with finances right now and how are you with discussing finances with the person is it scary to you do you have a scarcity mindset start taking some like I know Rachel Cruz which is Dave Ramsey's daughter she has a whole like this kind of you know how they have personality tests? She has a money test. So why don't you test yourself in the area of where where do I fit and fall financially so that you'll be able to accurately say to someone when God pairs you with him or her, hey, this is how I see money. How do you see money? This is how I want to go ahead and spend my money. This is how I want my financial portfolio to look. How do you see that? Currently as a single, how do you communicate? Yeah, because if you ask anybody who has a healthy marriage and you ask them, so what's the secret? They'll fall back on on the minuscule things. It's not your body. It's not how attractive you are. It's not, oh, you put in this work in the gym. I mean, that has something to do with it. But the glue, the foundation outside of it being God is literally how do you communicate? Did you ever realize that people are, have their own different views on love? That's why there's a such thing as love language. But outside of that, where did your framework of love come from? Yeah, don't be five, six, seven years in your marriage and you like, yo, the reason why I look at love to be this way is because it was shaped for me in childhood. It was shaped for me in my teenagehood. It was shaped for me in my first two relationships that were serious. It was shaped for me here. So either A, you need to go ahead and and create an environment that supports that or B, you need to go ahead and trash that and define love differently for you. Go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians 13 and say, okay, if this is the way that God sees love, then how else can I connect and and extremely, like, I just, it's literally to a point that you have to connect what God said about love and then create the environment that is authentic to you and say, yo, I, this is love for me. I feel like this is love for me. I can see love demonstrated because of fill in the blank. So don't take singlehood to just be this vacant area, just waiting for someone to come in and park. It's like, no, you don't have to be vacant. You can actually be purposed in your singlehood. You can be purposed in the fact that you don't have children yet. You can be purposed in that you're not a homeowner yet. You can be purposed in the fact that you didn't reach your professional utopia yet. Everything that you're doing It's a not yet. It's not a no. Go ahead and take that no, add the T so it can be not, and then put the word yet thereafter. Nothing is just for nothing. Everything is for something. But you have to have the tenacity in you that says, yo, I'm going to literally see what's on the other side of this. I'm not going to just rest here. I'm not going to just settle here. I'm not going to just, okay, I guess I'll just build my tent here. Build your tent here and God promised you the land of milk and honey? I'm sorry, does that not sound ridiculous to you? And where this is all coming from is... I realized that the two times that I read about Jesus and a storm that Jesus wasn't really, uh, he wasn't demonstrating what I would have seen as, oh my goodness, (laughs) this is a problem. I, one time I'm reading Jesus both times, actually, it didn't seem like Jesus saw this as the problem that the people that were in it saw it as a problem. So real quick, because I said this on my last conversation, Mark four, you know, I read in the NOT version, right? Jesus calms the storm. The only portion that I want to read of this is literally the part on what Jesus was doing. So Mark four verse, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to go up two verses, verse 36. So they took. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Okay, in this particular illustration the storm is storming the danger is dangering the things are doing the things that make the people scared but yet jesus has a posture that looks very polar opposite from what is actually happening sir how are you able to sleep at a time like this how are you able to nap not only nap you got a cushion sir it's the only time i've seen the word cushion documented in the bible like so at this point it's letting me know that you have an extreme rest When the disciples are experiencing extreme distress. So it's like, okay, I'm sorry. So that got my attention. And that's why I had that conversation with you last on Jesus. Don't you care? But then the Holy Spirit made me come to this next one. And I'm like, okay, time out. Matthew 14 verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. 23. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Pause again. A moment of distress, sir. 25, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. 28, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. 29, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went on the other side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink, save me, Lord, he shouted 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me when they climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped the disciples worship him, worship him. You are really the son of God. They exclaimed, but you know what got my attention? Pause. In another breakdown of this, it literally said that Jesus intended to keep on walking, but the disciples saw him. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) You were going to keep walking, but because the disciples saw you, you were like, ah, let me just go ahead and help them. Seriously, that's what happened. As a matter of fact, in John six, this same illustration he didn't even give it a whole bunch of, what got my attention. Let me back, go back first. This is the only description in Matthew that actually has that Peter walked on the water. Everyone else scrimmaged past that part. Every when you read in John six, verse 16, you, you read, okay, I'm going to actually read it. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake to Capernaum. 18. Soon a gale swept up upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them. Don't be afraid. I am here. 21. Then They were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. I'm sorry. That was like a real quick, like synopsis. Uh, John, what happened to the part that he was actually walking on the water? Like what happened to the part that it was like, Oh, Jesus said, come out to him. And he was like, sure. I'm on my way. Like, how come all of that wasn't illustrated? And I feel like we all have that in us. We all have that thing in us that doesn't really tell what the storm was for. What did the storm bring out of you? What happened on the other side of that storm? Yeah. You, we we want to just go ahead and say, yeah, that one time we were having that hard time and we paid the bill and then, and then we scurry upon it. And it's like, wait, time out. dissect that. What did the storm do for you? What did the storm bring out? out of you? What was the storm purpose to go ahead and do for you? Like there is something that the storm should have went ahead and implanted in you that when you come out the storm, you come out with new revelation, new perspectives, new resources, new creative ideas. It should be something that the storm did for you. The storm just stormed and that was it. And I I was getting ready to feel some kind of way about the fact that it was documented that way, but I was like, but that's how people document it. It's amazing to me that out of the all the other ways that it was detailed in Matthew 14 that John has it in a way that it's just real quick in a hurry. So then when I went to Mark to read the same exact illustration, because the disciples went ahead and documented from their perspectives, and that's the thing about life. You can experience something, but if your perspective is skewed, then it was still the promise that God had for you to get out of that storm. It was still what you were supposed to get from that. There was wisdom in that storm. There was, there was an abundance in that storm. Yeah. It may not have been what you wanted and it may not have been delivered the way that you intended, but there was something in that storm that you can still use. There was something in that childhood that, yeah, it wasn't the best, but you can still use something from that. There was something that you were supposed to get from that particular job. There was something that was, you were supposed to get from that relationship. You wasn't supposed to just go ahead and scurry past that. Yeah. You know, that one time I was in that relationship, it didn't work out. And so blah, blah, blah. But what did you get from that storm? You just got soaked and that was it. You were just terrified and that was it. All you can really detail is your emotional bandwidth at that time. And that was it. Why didn't you come out stronger? Why didn't you come out more successful? Not maybe financially, but definitely filled with more wisdom. Definitely have an emotional capacity now that you like, yo, now I can relate to people better because of that experience. If, if, if not for that experience, I would still be shallow in this area. If not for that experience, I wouldn't have the heart that goes ahead and wants to help people in this area. Like something about that storm should have done more than just scare you, terrify you and soak you your clothing. There is something on the other side of that. But the two things that got my attention, as I stated that Jesus never intended to stop for Peter. He never intended. I was like, yo, that actually I'm not going to hold you. It got my attention. And the only person who documented Jesus intention was Mark. (laughs) Mark six says in verse 45, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bacidia while he sent the people home 46. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray 47. Late that night, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land 48. He saw that they were in serious trouble rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them 49. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. Pause. Jesus never intended to stop in the first place. He never intended to stop. We would have never known that Peter walked on water. We would have never known that, oh my goodness, he was like, Lord, if that's you, call me out to you. And he was like, here I am. We would have never known that. But you know what I pulled from this? Jesus wanted them to see what was on the other side of their fear. The the winds and the waves were never going to kill y'all. Listen, the winds and the waves on the first time around was never intended to kill y'all. How do I know? Because why would Jesus be sleep with a cushion at the back of the boat, comfortably getting his goodsies in if he knew, oh no, the people that I called, the people that I instructed to go that way, the people who are obedient to me and sacrifice their livelihood and their businesses and time with their family to come follow me and my ministry, they're in trouble. Why would he be sleep soundly if he knew that y'all were in trouble? Then that means that the trouble wasn't... the Trouble that they thought uh, in the first place. So, y'all had to wake him up. Jesus, don't you care that we're about to perish? We're about to drown, sir. He was like, Listen, peace be still. Yeah, like, mm-mm, it, 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 it was never intended for that. Then you get your second go around of again storming situations. They rowing and they doing all this and they working real hard. And Jesus never intended to stop at the boat. It doesn't even say that he was, it says he saw that they were in serious trouble. Verse, let's go back to that verse, verse 48. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. (laughs) 50, they were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. 51. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. Pause. The reason why he stopped in the first place is because y'all responded in a way that he never intended. He never intended to, to save y'all from the boat because it wasn't as dangerous as, as you know, Marcus documented. It wasn't that serious. As scared as you thought that you was getting ready to lose your job. No, you wasn't. God, why aren't you stopping the gossip? Because it's not, listen, if I open the door, they can't close it. And if I close the door, they can't open it. So it is what it is. God, how come you're not, you know, the, the economy is bad. Listen, the economy is what the economy is, but I, God doesn't subscribe to that economy. So you're fine. Relax. God, how come you're not sending abundance? Because right now you don't need that. I never intended to give you abundance in this particular time frame. Relax. God never, Jesus never intended to stop at the boat. That should scream volumes to you. He intended to walk past them, but 49, when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror thinking he was a the ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. All right. I didn't intend to stop, but I also didn't intend for y'all to be fearful. You can't walk with me and be in this ministry and still have fear in you. I got to do something in y'all that has to look like, I don't care what we up against. I don't care what happens. I don't care what we have to face. I don't care what we have. Uh, y'all already showed that y'all know how to sacrifice, but y'all also showed that y'all get real scared when, when it's, Any type of adversity comes by y'all. Y'all get real scared when you see ooh, financial issue. I don't know how to go ahead and preserve that. Now worry in sister chat. You get real scared if you start to feel a little ache and pain. You like, oh no, the doctor said you get rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But like, I need you. Listen, if I'm gonna build something on y'all, if I'm gonna do something great upon y'all, if you're gonna be one of my disciples, if people are gonna be listening to you to get set free, I need to go ahead and start having some stuff going built up in you that you're not just shaking and, and scrambling at every storm he didn't intend to walk past that's because the storm was never going to take you under baby like listen the, what's a storm to a goblin you know, you understand it's like listen that was never supposed to be it but Jesus had to stop because he never intended for you to be terrified either and so this was twofold to me I'm gonna stop responding to every storm like a ghost and oh no, and don't you care that we're gonna? It's like, baby, calm down. Calm down, sit down. <laughs> e-, e all the above. But also, in that, why do the storms keep happening when Jesus sends me out? Why do the storms keep happening when I get on a boat instructed by God? <laughs> Why do the storms keep happening when I'm trying to be obedient and sacrifice and do the things that he told me to do and lay down my life and pick up the life that he has for me and pick up the cross and walk? Why does it keep happening now? Why does it keep happening now? Why not? It is what it is. But you know what your mindset should be? It's not why does this keep happening? It should be what's on the other side of this. Bro, you only doing this because you know I'm about to embark in something great. you only doing this because you know Peter is the rock that Jesus is getting ready to build this church on. you only doing this because you know we're getting ready to write ample amounts of the gospel in, in the New Testament. you only doing this because. So in order for me to get to that because, I have to push through the why is this happening and get to the point of what's on the other side of this. What's on the other side of this? You got to get gangster, baby. You got to get, listen, I trouble trouble. <laughs> trouble don't last always, but trouble don't last when it meet me. Like, what's up, bro? You met your match. As a matter of fact, you met the thing that's going to demolish you. I dismantle trouble. I look at trouble and I go, oh, was that your best shot? And then we go ahead and we Tyson prime with it. Like when he was in this prime, we ain't biting no ears to win. I'm I'm giving you full body shots, sir, ma'am, trouble. However you want to do it, it's getting ready to get done. It is what it is. What you don't realize is that this is not even a boxing match. It's a wrestling match. And I got two people I can tag in at all times, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, however you want to do it, the angels. Like it's, I, I tag who I need to tag in is to get this particular win. But I dare not get into this ring and and feel like I'm about to lose because of your stature trouble, because of your amount of, of money trouble. Like whatever it is, trouble is anything that springs up something in me that Jesus never intended so peace be still. Take courage. It is what it is. If it was going to overtake you, God would have never allowed it to enter your chat. He would have never allowed it because he promised that it's supposed to all work together in Romans eight twenty eight. So at this point, I think that we should just get spiritual face tats and start to look at trouble like, Get get messed up this time. Because I'm about that life. <laughs> and life more abundantly. Okay. Why am I whispering? No idea. But I just feel like when people are real scary, you don't gotta do a whole bunch of screaming. <laughs> Where I'm from, New York, here. The people that were the silent ones, like, all right. Oh, she wanna fight? Cool. Like you you ain't gonna say nothing bad? Mm-mm. Those were the ones you were scared of the ones that were popping off Ah, because I see you outside. She the first one crying. She the first one to get dropped. She the first one to just go ahead and see them stars and count them birds. Like it is what it is. The one that was quiet, you were like, mm, got to watch out for the quiet ones. I ain't going to hold you. So that's how we getting ready to do trouble. We're going to be like, oh, oh, you thought. Okay, where you going? I'll be back. What you get? I'm going to pop the trunk on you, sir. <laughs> like I'm getting ready to go. Like I'm going into another realm because let me explain something with trouble. You, you chose this, right? But you don't get to choose how I body you yeah like I, i'm sorry I, i'm getting ready to unlock and unleash everything because this is not just you troubling me you're trying to trouble my generation i'm trying to break these curses like we on two different platforms so i'm just go ahead and i'm gonna just get you out the chat permanently because if i don't battle you then you're gonna go try to go to my daughter if you it in the name of jesus and if my daughter doesn't battle you then you get to stay in my bloodline so we're gonna just go ahead and just um dismantle this whole entire entire thing so that you never get to trouble another man another woman in my generation or my bloodline forever. Evermore, forever ever forever ever do you see what i'm saying challenges what the challenges is listen at this point you owe it to yourself you owe it to your bloodline you owe it to your generation to come what is on the other side of this because trouble is just not going to enter my chat and leave the same trouble gets the period it don't get the comma you don't get to continue on your sentence you're done when you come to me do you understand how that works I pray that everything in this conversation was a body blow to anything that you are currently experiencing now. I pray that when you get off of this phone, you're going to be like, yo, I do not see it the same because that's the intent of these conversations anyway. It's to change your perspective is to make you pull purpose from your pain is to make you see that your pain has a statement. Your pain has a purpose and it's not just to make you feel something it's to push you into, put you in a trajectory that would have never. ever 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 had you there in the first place had this not entered the chat pain only goes ahead and enters your life because it's trying to push you and adjust you and navigate you to your next step that's all if you didn't get that little nip you would have never did that jump jump skip (laughs) like you know Dr. Seuss flow but it is what it is I didn't mean for it to rhyme that's just how I'm blessed you know but you're gonna see life different because he came so that you can have life and life more abundantly. Period. Or oh, as my daughter and I say periodic table. Magnesium. That that's between me and my daughter. You have a nice day. Um, but listen, I feel like you got what you needed. I do. Um, you know what these conversations are though, right? Like they are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person's gonna have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl, okay, great? Have you been this real question? Have you been checking your girl out on um YouTube? I'm not I'm not gonna look at your facial expression over the phone created the number two multiply that's gang gang on the YouTube side okay created the number two multiply.com for all the things that are all the things and then like yo the text community the blog community like you know strive and inspire the letter in inspire because you know I like a little something like I like to put a little razzle dazzle in the middle but that's on patreon but like at this point, I don't, I think it should go without saying, uh, support your homegirl because uh, who else is your favorite homegirl? Who else could it be? Okay, um, but I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go because you got YouTube's to look at, yeah, because she got videos, uh, and you got like websites and Patreons and all the things to go ahead and support the mission of all things. Like, listen, I'm gonna see what's on the other side of this trouble. You with me? All right, so then buckle up. I'll talk to you next time. I'm going to let you let me go. Okay? Later.